stay there for a while instead of going out and play with his friends. Now, uh, it happened just that, and they send the boy up, the, up there because he did something wrong, and uh, the both parents walk outside and do something up front, and all of a sudden they see the, the, the boys running around outside, and they say, don't you have any respect? Don't you want to get better? Don't you want to obey and listen? Um, and he says, yes. Uh, then, then dad says, why aren't you in your room? Why are you down here? And the boy looks at him and he says, don't you believe in God at all? Well, yeah, but what has to do with it? Look at the tree. It's growing right there by the house and his branches literally goes inside my room through the window. When you lock the doors, door, God opens the window and he put the plant, the tree right there and make me other way to get, that, get down. So, um, I think we're living in uh, uncertain times, don't you agree? Um, we would say times of stress, stressful, um, maybe even desperate. And sometimes people say desperate times call for desperate measures. Well, is it so? How many of you really pray and hope that the economy will come back? How many of you really pray and, and hope that Jesus come, will come back sooner than the economy? Thank you. I think I'm in the right crowd here. So um, it is a desperate times. We live in desperate times. And sometimes we feel like we need to take matters in our own hands. Um, I'm not a preacher. I am not much of a teacher. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm up here just. Um, I would like you to participate and help me. You all have the red Bibles in front of you. You ha all probably have your own Bibles. Let's just open up in uh, 1 Samuel 26. 1 Samuel 26, and uh, while you're flipping through the pages and find out the 1 Samuel 26, how many of you know the story of, of uh, King Saul and David? We pretty much all know the story uh, of King Saul and David. Now let's go um, quickly over what happened. Um, from the beginning, Saul was king that wanted to please God, wanted to follow God. Then David comes about. He kills Goliath. David can sing for Saul. He enjoys it. And then things happen, and Israelites start to sing the songs. Saul killed 1,000. David killed 10,000. And Saul starts to feel uneasy with David, starts to hate David, starts to hunt him down, starts to chase him to the point when he wants to kill him. And you know the story when David was in cave and all his men was in deeper part of the cave and Saul walked into a cave. And what David did, he crawled up, sneaked up to Saul, and cut off the edge of Saul's garment, right? Well, 
In those days, the edges of the rim, or the rims of the garment was knitted and or made with the ribbons of the blue color, and it represented the status of the person, the family, the wealth, who he is, all that thing. And David cut that part off, of Saul's garment. Later on, David felt, oh, I should not have done that. I should not have done that. I touched the God's anointed king. Well, David confronted Saul, and Saul said, I have been wrong. You, you are much better man than I am. I'll never going to pursue you again. And they part. And David believed what Saul said. And then, one day, David gets news. Saul is after you again. And that's how we are here in Samuel 26. Samuel 1, 26. Let's open it up. And um, David gets news that the Saul is again looking for him. And David said, no, no it can't be. Uh, Saul told me that he will not going to pursue me no more. Uh, it can't be. I, 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 I need to be sure that that's, this is a Saul. So he sends out the spies. Spies come back, says, yes, it is a Saul. So David was kind of heartbroken, disappointed, and all that. But he wants to know for himself. So he goes and looks at Saul's camp. And he saw, yeah, there's a Saul's camp. King is in the center. Ahab which is the commander and the chief of all the army, has 3,000, the best soldiers that he has, the special forces, the best of the best, all around surrounding the Saul. Now, let's read verse 6. And let's read all together. I think it's going to be a little little easier for me than I just read and you know. Let's read all together. Chapter 26, verse 6. Then David answered and said to Abimelech and uh, Hittite and to Abishai, the son of uh, whatever the name is, Job's brother. Actually, the Abishai was a cousin of David. Okay? I'm sorry. Uh, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down. Well, let's just pause here. See, the dictator would say, go. The leader says, let's go. I'll go with you. David says, who wants to go with, on adventure? And I'll go too. Who wants to come with me? I would ask, what's the plan? There's 3,000 of the best soldiers out there. What's the plan, David? But his cousin says, I'll go. I'll go. Um, let's just continue to read 7 through 11. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear struck in the ground at his head. And Abner and the people were laying around him. Then Abishai said to David, Today God had delivered your enemy into your hand, 
Now, therefore, please let me strike him with the spear to the ground with one stroke, and I will not strike him the second time. Well, the cousin tells David, listen, this is a miracle. We are here in the middle of a night. We walk through all 3,000 men. We stand right here. This is obviously God's hand. He is delivered. He has delivered your enemy to you. And you can get rid of it. Can you imagine the temptation for you? If something is, you have a problem, you have a big problem, maybe life-threatening problem, and you presented with this kind of a solution, which looks like, God himself led you through all these 3,000 men to take care of the problem. But David says, no. And, and, and Abishai says, well, David, come on. Listen to me. I'll take this spear and I will smite him once. I don't need a second time. Just let's say once. You don't need to do it. I'll do it for you. I will take care of your problem, and you will be free forever. David says, no, actually what David says. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? David also said, as the Lord lives, surely the Lord will strike him on his day, will come that he dies, or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch my own hand against the Lord's anointed, but now please take the spear at this head and the jug of water and let us go. What a temptation to get rid of the problem that has been life-threatening for David. Um... It is a miracle. Would you say that was an opportunity? It was an opportunity. Would you say that was a test? It was a test. How many times, if we see opportunity, we grab it? Desperate times call for desperate measures. It has been bugging me for a long time. And God opened this door. It surely should be God's will. David says, hold on. God will take care of it. I trust God. I trust his judgment. I'm not going to take care of it. God will. Now, David takes a spear. David takes a cruise of water. Walks across, it happened at night. Actually, it's actually fascinating when you think David is in the middle of a camp and he starts to argue with Abishai. It's in the middle of a night, they have this argument going on and everybody's sleeping. Saul is snoozing, everybody's sleeping, nothing's happening. It's, it itself is a miracle. It itself would present as uh, the best opportunity ever. But nevertheless, they take a spear, take a cruise of water, go uh, safe distance. Uh, they start to 
arrive and David starts to cry out or call in a loud voice, Abner, no answer. Abner, get up. Rise and shine. Answer is thou not. That's the next verses there beside. So, and Abner says, who are you who bothering the king? And David says, you failed. You failed. You are the one who was supposed to guard the king. You- David basically tells Abner, listen, you are the one who are responsible for life of the king. You failed in it. You failed in your task. You are worthy to die. It's pretty bold statement for a guy who has 3,000 men at his hand, and he could say, oh, there go, come. Um, who can say, go and get him? David didn't, wasn't afraid. He straightforward, he told Abner, you are worthy of death because you did not protect your king. You did not protect your king. Look where is his spear. Look where it is, is his jug of water. I was there. I picked it up. By that time, Saul wakes up. There's all the shouting going on. Saul wakes up. I think personally that Saul was up. And he heard that. And he remembered I think that Saul had all his life go in front of his eyes what happened from the day one when he met David. He met David. He liked him. He liked his songs. He liked him so much that he gave his daughter for a wife to David. And then he probably remembered that he threw the spear one day at David and missed. He remembered the incident in a cave. And he, now he sees his spear in David's hands. I think he remembered. He felt sorry and not maybe sorry, but he felt beaten. He felt that he failed. He He says, is David, is this your voice? David says, yeah, that's me. Why have you followed me? Let's read verse 21. It says, then Saul said, I have sinned. I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will not harm you again, because my life was precious is you, in your sight this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have, and have committed a serious error, or erred exceedingly. This is basically a summary statement of Saul's life. I have sinned, I have played the fool, 
I erred exceedingly. It's a summary statement of all that Saul have done so far. He started as a king with desire to follow the God. He ended up chasing David. And he ended up acknowledging that all I have done is I have sinned, I played the fool, and I erred exceedingly. This is hunting statement, very heavy statement, if you're a thinking person. I cannot imagine how one can feel when the count of years come to 60, 70, maybe 80, 90, and the summary of the life is, I have played the fool. And let's not go that far. We live every day. I believe that most precious teaching, what Bible tells us or teaches, is that we should live every single day as our last day. Now, when the day is over, what is our summary of this day? I got up, I woke, I run to work, I did the best I could there, maybe to get ahead, advance, that I can make more money, um, and I can get more stuff, and I can pay all that I owe, and then I come back, and uh, I have football game, hockey game, or baseball game, and uh, there it is, thanks God, that I'm still alive. What is the summary of the day? I have played the fool. If day by day goes by this way, what's the summary of my life will be? Some people just plainly play. They never grow up. They play. Um, what kind of new toy I can get? What kind of new adventure I can go to? Uh, what kind of new movie I can see and entertain myself? What kind of new house I can build or, or make my house better? Or what can I do? What kind of ball game I can watch or go play? Or hockey game is, uh, I'm not talking about hockey here. There's, that's a different story. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, some people just play. Some people just being plainly mad through the life. Chasing one person, another person. This boss is not smart enough. That my employee is totally out of line. I'm going, I need to straighten out them. I need to correct them. I need to do this. If I could do this way or I could do that way, I'm plainly mad, disappointed. Some people just take advantage of other people for their own benefit. If I can get on top, if I can trick them, I'll be better off. I have played the fool. What is my main activity? What is my main 
direction. What, is my, what are my main reasons? What I did today. What is the summary of my day? I have played the fool. I have sinned. I erred exceedingly. Desperate times ask for desperate measures. We can look for God to take care of us or to lead us or to guide us. Or we can look for that window with the big branch close enough that we can jump on it and get out. Um, what did David said? How is this story ending between Saul and David? Um, what did David says? 23, 24. And the Lord will, uh, and David says, yeah, um, and the Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Now behold, as your life was highly valued in my sight this day, so may my life be highly valued in the sight of the Lord. And may he deliver me from all distress. Basically what David says, I want to be in God's mercy. I want God to take care of me, to deliver me. I don't want to be in anybody else's mercy. I don't want to take care of myself. I want God to take care of me. That's David's statement. And we hear that over and over again, if we read the life of David, he does that over and over again in, in his songs and more than once. He says, I want to be in God's mercy. I want to be delivered by God. I want to be protected by God, not by myself. Saul's summary of his life, I sinned. I played the fool. I erred exceedingly. And you know what? This is the last time that Saul speaks to David. This is the last, pretty much the last days of Saul's life. He just slips off the pages of Scripture with this last statement. He started well. He started really well. Let's just think a little bit about this story. I can't help it, but it paints a picture into my mind. And I hope it will open a picture in your mind, too. Our king, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the greater one than David. Who could and should chop off my head, not once. Instead, he took the spear in his side, literally. 
He's the one who was no sin, became like sin. He was the one who was spit in face. He was the one whose back was ripped open. He was the one who was nailed to the cross because I have sinned. I played the fool. I erred exceedingly. But he didn't want me to pay the price. So he paid the price in my place. He took the spear. Literally, when the Roman soldier thrust the spear in his side, what came out? Blood and water. Blood and water. And now I understand. This is what I supposed to do. This is who I supposed to be. This is how I supposed to act. Don't chop off the heads. Don't play. Don't chop off the ears like Peter did. Remember Garden of Gethsemane? Remember what high priest came to capture Jesus? Peter pulled out his sword and chopped off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And what Jesus said, put down your sword. And he healed the ear. I understand. I can't live the life without doing wrong. I understand I am selfish. I understand I will do things that make me feel good. I understand I will want to have fun. I understand that somebody's going to get mad at me. I understand somebody's going to be disappointed. I understand somebody's going to try to pick up the fight, throw a um, punch. What should I do? Take the punch. Take the wound. Take the wound. And let the spirit of Jesus Christ come out as mercy, as peace, as refreshment, as the water. Instead of repaying anger with anger, harsh words with harsh words, tooth for tooth. And if we allow, if we allow Jesus Christ to work in me, in my heart, then instead of the bitterness and sour vinegar, that comes out from the wound when I'm upset and my stomach is turned all upside down, it will come out Jesus' character. I understand, on the other hand, I cannot live this life. I can't live that way. I am, I chop the heads. I, I do that. I love myself. I want to please myself. And I say, God, I, I can't live this way. I'm a head chopper. I want to protect myself. I want to do whatever it takes. I can't live that kind of life. But I, what I can do is make a decision. I can make a decision that I want 
to be like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. I want to follow in his footsteps. I want him to work in me, with me. I can make that decision. I can make that choice. Everything in life is a choice. And when we do, and when we do, he will, maybe not right away, but in due time, he will exalt me, lift me up, lift me up high. He will. If David would take care of the matter, different way, if he would take advantage of the chance that it looked like it's presented, that his cousin said, this is God, this is God's thing, God delivered that enemy of yours in your hands, if David would follow, if David would take advantage of it, and if David would take matters in his own hands, we would read this story different way. Or I should say different story. It would be completely different. I don't know how, but it would be different. We don't you think that we have a, that that is a high, high privilege to re- represent Jesus? Don't you feel that's a high privilege to follow his footsteps? Don't you feel that that's a high privilege to be, to do things like David did, like Jesus did? And I guarantee you, before we come back next week here again, all together, we will have an opportunity to chop the head, cut off the ear, nip the garment, make the comment, go out and play, have fun, and all those things. And we will have an opportunity to make a choice. And we will have an opportunity to follow Jesus or to follow myself. We will. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't lop off the heads when he was down here on this earth. I'm so glad that he hasn't lopped off my head yet, although he could because I deserve it. I'm so glad that he took the spear. And I'm so glad that we have an opportunity to do the same thing. I'm so glad that we, he gives us the opportunity to represent him. I'm so glad that he loves me. 
I am so glad. He did not chop off the heads, and he not chopping off, and he never will. Because he loves us. Although we all have sinned, we all have played the fool, we all erred exceedingly. Uh, We have such a great hero to look up to. We have such a great leader to follow. And we have such a great Lord to humble ourselves to. The love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. I know I am the Saul in the story. I have been the Saul all my life. And I know that David was the Jesus. When we allow Jesus to work in our life, when we allow him to work with us, when we make a choice, when we make a choice that we tell Jesus, work with me, take care of me, Don't let me screw things up or take care of the things myself. You take care of me. You take care of the things. That slowly, slowly, but surely, we will start to transform or transformation begins for us to get out from Saul-like or Saul category and become more like Jesus, in Jesus' category. And isn't that all that matters? Isn't that all that matters? My prayer today is that uh, this story will encourage us to make this choice. That this story will inspire us to ask him to make us more like him. And we pray all that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.